Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. I mean, Clark Kent does not advertise that he's Superman and Bruce Wayne doesn't have a Bruce Wayne name tag on his Batman outfit. But you have to understand that when you use things that people can easily learn about you, by going online, uh, that's the same thing as wearing a name tag or doing something in skywriting. The thing about technology, that which makes us powerful makes us vulnerable. Indeed, technology does make us vulnerable, especially as we roam the planet. That is why today I've got a nationally recognized expert on cybersecurity, privacy, identity theft, fraud, and personal finance here to help you out, to give us the 101 and more on how we can stay safe and protect ourselves from all of these things when we're out on the road and at home. So excited to bring you this value-packed interview with Adam Levin, who you just heard at the top of the show. On top of all that, I'm going to share a message I got from a listener in this community who has really found a way to embrace the idea of living the full travel life and provides, I think, a good example of how you can mix and match your travel experiences. So all of that happening and much more right now. Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience I mentioned at the top, we are going to give a shout out to a listener here who I believe is really fully embracing this idea of filling your life with as much travel as you desire. You're going to get to hear a voicemail from him uh, in a few moments. But I want to talk about our guest today who really an incredible guy and wonderful conversation packed with a ton of value, practical tips, a simple framework for protecting yourself in terms of making sure you're safe from identity theft and that your computer and your devices are secure and all of that important stuff that helps you avoid uh, any headaches down the road. And this is the kind of stuff that I think is pretty easy to put off, right? Like who wants to sit down and protect yourself against 
identity theft. You know, do, do the things that need to be done to kind of set yourself up for success so this doesn't happen to you. But as you'll hear in this show, it's not a lot that you have to do and it's well worth your time. And I think this is one of those things where, hey, a show like this can not only create awareness, but just bring these things to the top of your mind and maybe put a few simple things on your to-do list coming out of this to make sure that that you're fully protected out there when you're traveling. And uh, frankly, a lot of these things, or I should say all of these things, translate to things that you would want to do at home as well when you're just going out and about your day at home. So this is a really big topic, but you're going to come out of it with an action plan and very specific actions you can take. And Adam Levin, our guest today, what an incredible background he has with this stuff. He's been a fierce consumer advocate for the past 50 years. He was former director of the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs. He's the founder of CyberScout and the co-founder of Credit.com. He is the author of the critically acclaimed book, Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And he's also the host of the What the Hack podcast, where they believe that scaring is caring and laughter should accompany learning. And each week, their crew talks to fascinating people about the most terrifying or annoying, embarrassing or infuriating things that have ever happened to them in cyberspace. Then they tell you what happened, what you can do next and how to keep whatever it was from happening again. A ton in this interview and stick around on the back end. I'll share a fun story about a time that I was scammed and it turned out to be a pretty fun day (laughs) in the end. Uh, So you can stick around for that. Now, quickly before the interview, I want to play this voicemail I got from Andrew, who is truly embracing that idea of living a life of travel. My name is Andrew. I'm 23 years old from Boston, Massachusetts. I've been listening to your podcast for about, I guess, two years now. It's uh, crazy that time's gone by that that long. I I, I first um, discovered you during like full lockdown as you know, I was just trying to find other things to keep me busy. And, you know, I, I do want to say that I, I, I really do appreciate the content that you've been putting out there and the people that you've been bringing onto your show. Um, it's really kind of what's gotten me started to want to live a full travel filled life. Since I started listening to you, I've, I've, I've lived in four different countries and, um, I've traveled to 25 new places. Um, I'm doing my master's in Europe this fall and, you know, I'm, I'm going to teach English in Southeast Asia this summer. And, you know, I, I, I guess I wouldn't really have any of that motivation if it wasn't for, I guess, um, learning about a new world that was kind of like, you know, like that glass shattering moment of like, wow, like what have I been missing this whole time? But yeah, basically just wanted to give you a shout out just say like a quick thank you andrew thank you my man i appreciate your time and wow i mean living in four countries traveling to 25 new places doing the master's thing in europe going to southeast asia unbelievable super inspiring and you know this idea that you said quote learning about a new world is is important right we want to kind of live our best lives and uh, sometimes that's just opening up our minds to the possibilities and being exposed to other people doing it. And I'm so glad that the stories you've heard here on the show have inspired you. So I'm inspired. I'm sure the listeners are. And please, you, yes, you listening to this, if you have never checked in before, I would love to hear from you. 
just say hi. You don't have to have some crazy uh, story about your travels or your life or anything. You can just say hi and what's up. You can leave me a voicemail very easily with that link in every show notes, or you can drop me a line, Jason, at zerototravel.com is my email address. Okay, let's slip and slide into this interview. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. I'm really excited to cover this topic because this is a big one, cybersecurity. I think this goes across people's lives, whether you're traveling or if you're just at home going to coffee shops and things like that. I feel like there's a lot of the same issues. So I'm really excited to have you here, Adam Levin. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Jason, thanks for inviting me. Well, it's it's a pleasure. I should mention once again, what the hack is your podcast? How are you enjoying podcasting? I'm loving it. You know, it's great. I, I spent uh, many years on and off doing radio. When I was head of consumer affairs for New Jersey, I was on WMCA in New York. I did some uh, radio spots for CBS radio. And uh, I had a radio show actually in Los Angeles for about almost a year called The Credit Line, talking about all things credit related, because I used to have a company, credit.com. So, uh, but I love it. I love it. It's very rewarding. It's a lot of fun, and we have great guests on, and uh, learn a lot, share a lot. Yeah. What part of New Jersey did you grow up? Born in in Plainfield, New Jersey, raised in Warren, which is sort of up in New Jersey's definition of the mountains. The town I grew up in was so small, the pharmacy uh, uh, had the post office in the back, uh, So, uh, which is very un-New Jersey-like. Yeah. So yeah, you were closer to New York because I well, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, north of the city. So sort of your neck of the woods. I, I mean, I think you can take the guy out of the East Coast, but you can't take the East Coast out of the guy. Am I right? Never. The Jersey's always in the guy for me. I'm sure the Philadelphia is <laughs> always the guy for you. And now it's nice to know I got a friend in Pennsylvania, right? So there we go. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're living in Arizona, but you know, do you ever find just living out West, like being from the East Coast, like they're just a little too laid back out here. I need to get my East Coast on right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I, I can guarantee you that that's what my wife tells me every day. I mean, she <laughs> she is uh, she's from Colorado, but she lived in New York for almost 20 years. And when we came out here in, in early 2020, uh, she said to me, are we really doing this? I said, well, yeah, because I have a company out here. We were escaping COVID. We wanted our son to have in-person schooling as opposed to remote schooling and it's very healthy out here and as long as you don't get freaked out by the scorpions the snakes and the spiders you're fine (laughs) (laughs) well uh, i used to live in boulder colorado i'm not sure where your wife comes from littleton which is part of denver the same area where did you guys meet uh through a friend in new york i'd been living in arizona And he said to me, I want you to come home. I said, I'm not coming home unless you introduce me to the future mother of my children. He said, if I do, do you promise to stay? I said, sure. And uh, when I came back, he introduced me to four people and my wife was the fourth. I said to the first three, lovely people, but not feeling it. He said, wait, I have one more. (laughs) And how long ago was that? That was in 2009. Okay. We yeah. got married on 9, 10, 11, and uh, it's been awesome ever since. Nice. 
Congratulations. Well, thank you. How much of a traveler are you? It sounds like you've been around, been living a lot of different places. Have you traveled often with, with your job, more business travel, or have you done a lot of personal travel? Well, I used to do a lot of business travel. Um, then we did some personal travel, but you know, being that I'm over 65, we I slowed down the travel, especially during COVID. Um, got a bit more protective, but we're gonna we're gonna start to travel again shortly. She she has a trip planned to Europe this summer, so um, we're gonna do that. She's always popping somewhere. She's a, a fitness competitor, so she's on the road a lot too. So oh yeah, cool. I imagine you've racked up quite a few frequent flyer miles over the years, huh? <laughs> now and again, actually, I find that we have one particular credit card where we've just racked up a lot of points. Yeah, and so we can we can use those points for pretty much anything, and we use it for travel. So. So your expertise is, well, I always wonder how people get into doing what they do. And I know you've had a, a varied career path, but at some point you became this nationally recognized expert on cybersecurity and privacy and identity theft and all of these things. How did you, how did that happen? How do you get into that line of work? One day I was sleeping and I had an epiphany. No, <laughs> um, I started as a consumer regulator. Actually, I was a consumer affairs director for the state of New Jersey for five years. Uh, did some real estate development because the family's in, involved in that. And then uh, uh, met a fellow who was an expert on credit. And we decided first to do a, a uh, an infomercial, uh, a book and an infomercial. But we noticed kind of partially into the process of doing the infomercial that it got very expensive and there were a lot of big players in it, and it would be not a cheap date to become meaningful. And those were the days of Susan Powder, Tony Little, Tony Robbins, I mean, the early days of, of some of the giants of, of infomercials. And then he came to me one day, and this was in 1993, and he said, there is this new thing, it's called the internet. And he said, I think that we might be able to sell our book and information programs as well as do, you know, serious online real-time consumer education and do products and services in the credit area. And he said, oh, here's the best part. I managed to get the domain credit.com by swapping an $1,800 hard drive for it. I was going to ask about that because that seems like an impossible domain to get. Yep. So we were like, we were so early in the game uh, that we were able to get that for, and we, we bought the domain mortgage.com for 10,000 and then uh, flipped that domain in, in the late 90s, or early 2000s, and used that money to continue to develop credit.com. And then we sold credit.com in 2015. Uh, it was a pretty exciting day. But while that was going on, uh, I was approached by somebody from a legal services organization in 2003, and they and I had brought a new team into Credit.com at the time, and they said, uh, "Do you know anything about identity theft?" I said, "Why? What do you What do you want?" They said, "Well, we want to bid on this credit card portfolio for a huge company, but we feel our bid's going to be too high. But if you're if you can give us a pathway into." identity theft protection services, find us somebody. You're in the credit world. I mean, credit, identity, they're pretty much tied together. So we kind of looked around and came back and my operating partners at the time, who became the operating partners for 
what was at that time known as Identity Theft 911, they said, nobody's doing it right. Uh, it's, it's viewed as sort of an extra revenue generator for some people like uh, credit reporting agencies, a couple of uh, uh, marketing companies, uh, uh, insurance brokerage company, um, even an investigative agency, but nobody is doing it the way it should be, which is that the center, the core of the business should be identity theft resolution, putting people and businesses back together again after they've suffered an identity incident. And this was way before even cyber came into the picture. Um, and this was way before anybody even knew about what breaches were. I mean, the first iconic breach was of a company called Choice Point, and that was back in 2005. And in those days, there were no breach notification laws in any state in the United States except for California. So Choice Point was located in Georgia. So they didn't have to tell anybody in Georgia that they had had, that they'd suffered a compromise, but they did have to tell California residents that they did. And as a result of that required disclosure, uh, 38 attorneys general around the country banded together and basically forced them into disclosure. And then one by one, states across the country began passing breach notification laws. Uh, to this day, there is no national breach notification law in America. None. They have one in the EU, the GDPR, but they have none in the United States. They're working on it, but it's like, how many years do you have to work on something before something happens? So, so we started as Identity Theft 911. Our biggest clients were insurance companies. Um, and by the time we sold this company, which had morphed from Identity Theft 911 to IDT 911 to Cyber Scout, it was a global company working for uh, somewhere between three and 400 insurance companies, as well as a number of other companies around the world that were involved in employee benefits. And it also became a, a, a breach preparedness and breach response and a forensic company. And we even spent some time uh, doing election security. Hmm. Sorry for the long explanation. No, there. no, that, that's really interesting. I, I mean, I have a lot of business-related questions, actually. It seems like you've built multiple giant businesses, but I, I don't want to go there because we've got so much to cover. Sure, on, sure. On cybersecurity, but may, maybe we'll go there in this interview or, in, or another one at some point. But, you know, that might be a place to start. Just uh, you mentioned the breaches, and I, I recall, though I don't remember the resource, I was somehow directed to some website where where they were able to tell me all of the um, entities that I'm a part of or that email, email addresses in that had been breached and that I was potentially subject to having my information out there. It was actually, the website is known as Have I Been Pawned? P-W-N-E-D. Is that a good resource? Because I'm, I'm actually looking for a resource for people to just, maybe that's a first thing to do. Just, hey, Let's see how your information may be out there. Is is that absolutely yes? Yeah? It's an excellent resource and it's free. It's it's a place that people should consider. I mean, two of the free things that people should consider is one going to have I been pawned to find out whether or not they're a victim or their let's say their user ID password is out there and their phone number is out there. You know, for years people told us that the ultimate unique identifier is your social security number. Of course, that whole thing went out the window when Equifax got breached and 150 million social security numbers got exposed. But the real ultimate 
unique identifier for each and every one of us, and certainly in travel, this is the same, is your cell phone number. Because people give that number to everyone. And don't even think about giving it. It's like, what's your number? Well, here it is. Because that's that's the way you're identified with most organizations, even better than password and uh, and email address. Yeah. So what was the other resource then? Because you mentioned... Oh, the other one is, is, uh, is annualcreditreport.com. And it's free. All three of the credit reporting agencies um, uh, are there. They are required to make your credit report available to you once a year for free. But during the pandemic, they were literally making it available once a week for free if you wanted to see it. Um, because so many people have been scammed during the COVID pandemic, not not to mention now with the with the horrible things going on in the Ukraine, a lot of people are getting breached because a lot of of the same kinds of pitches are going out there. They're just wrapped in the Ukrainian flag as opposed to COVID. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. Well, let's talk about the telephone then because it's crazy how much I need this darn thing. I'm holding it in my hand right now because I, even sometimes when I leave with, I'm like, you know what? I'm not bringing my phone today. I just don't want it. And then I get on the 
the subway system here and my wife reminds me, oh, your, you know, your subway tickets on your phone. So you don't have it now. I'm like, Oops. is is everything on my phone now? Can't I just walk out the door without my phone? No, can't really do it anymore. That used to be American Express. Don't leave home without it. Well, now don't leave home without your phone or else it could come to haunt you. You know, like I have Vips in Norway. It's the equivalent of, of Venmo. But a lot of these banking type things are face ID or double authentication Google Authenticator, those those types of uh, services. But, you know, let's start with just protecting our phones because I think that's the number one thing that probably even more computers, a traveler or a- anybody, even if you're not traveling, might leave behind or might get lost. So maybe you could just give us the 101 on protecting everything from the number you mentioned. Like I, you mentioned giving out a number everywhere and as a unique identifier, should we like have a burner phone, you know, that we give for certain things? Like I, I have no idea what you're going to say here. So I would just love to hear all of your advice around protecting the smartphones. Well, I think you should definitely consider a burner phone, especially if you're traveling somewhere that you haven't been before. And there are many places in the world now that are kind of known for hacker havens. So, um, you know, people kid about the fact that there are certain of these conferences they go to like DEF CON and Black Hat, where you, you really want to bring a burner phone because there are people there who are absolutely looking to crawl into your telephone and anything else. You know, I remember we, we used to do an event for CyberScout every year called the Privacy Exchange. And we had one of the top hackers in the world, Harvey Hursty, who's his real expertise is hacking voting equipment. He now does it for the US government just to make sure that these devices are safe. But anyway, he created what he called the wall of shame. And as you walked by it, it would actually suck up information from your phone and put it on this electronic tote board, which you could see your part of your email address and part of your user ID. He did it in, or your password. He did it in a way that, that it was safe that, you know, other than you, no one would know that was you. But he was able to, at one point, he was making a presentation and he said, um, I know that there are two people in this audience right now that were a gentleman that were in a gentleman's club in St. Louis last week. And I know this from your phone and no one said a word, but there were at least two people who visibly whitened when he made that comment. Um, because we, we have no idea how much we have on our phone. We don't think about it. And secondly, he set up a network in the conference. And on this network, he said, do not connect to this network. And at least 35 people did. So, you know, you have to think of your phone as kind of your private temple and you need to do all the things that you can to protect it. Like use a virtual private network, a VPN, which is easy enough to get. And some of them cost money. Some of them don't. Think of it as an encrypted tube between your device and the website that you're going to, especially if you're going to be in an area where you might be using uh, public Wi-Fi, which frankly, you should never use public Wi-Fi. You should create a, a hotspot, right? You can get it from your, your uh, uh, mobile provider, uh, but a, a, you know, a mobile hotspot is safer than, than connecting into a network, unless you know exactly whose network it is and how secure it is. And even now when you travel, you'll see that uh, on 
most hotel websites, they will tell you, or airliners and the like, this site is not secure, that it is eminently hackable. They don't use those final words, eminently hackable, but if it's not secure, you know, that's kind of a red flag. So you kind of have to carry your security with you. Now, some phones like Apple phones are, are much more secure than other phones. And, uh, but also when you travel, people have a tendency to want to download apps. Well, first of all, make sure that the app you're downloading is from a recognized legitimate app store like Apple or Google Play. And even Google Play has had issues with certain malicious apps that have crawled onto their website. So don't just download every app that you see. Use a burner phone if you can. Use a virtual private network. Steer clear of free public Wi-Fi unless you're only browsing the internet and you have absolutely no intention of doing any sensitive transaction whatsoever like you're buying something or you're checking email or you're checking your financial accounts. Not really a good idea to do that when you're out in the wild, um, unless you have things like the VPNs. And then it's better really to try to do it when you're hooked up to a secure Wi-Fi network as opposed to free public Wi-Fi. Okay. So the VPN really only to be used when we're going to hook up to Wi-Fi, right? I mean, a lot of people generally just use VPNs for everything because it, it gives them kind of this anonymity. And you have it on all the time? I didn't know it worked like that. I thought it was just a Wi-Fi thing. Well, no, you can have it on all the time. I mean, it, it really where it's the most effective is Wi-Fi. Um, but, you know, some people have it dialed up so high that they can't even get into certain accounts because of this VPN. Um, so, you know, use it carefully, smartly, but understand that it can, it can help you. Certainly now, you know, you're seeing that as Russia is shutting off all of these, the social network access to a lot of people, they are still going online, but they are using VPNs so that they can be shielded from where they're going and what they're looking at. Uh, with a VPN, though, also get the ones that charge you. Because the issue with anything that's free is you don't know whether or not they're gathering data about you and that they're going to share that data at some point or they get breached and that data gets shared. So you want to you want to use ones that you pay for because in essence, you're paying for more privacy. Yeah, I should mention because one of the things you you do in your podcast, you have this description that says, believe that we believe that scaring is caring and laughter should accompany learning. So we're not trying to like put the fear in God, everybody here, but, but kind of, because, you know, we do want to kind of a reminder here. That's like, that, that's the whole point of this. Like, okay, it's pretty easy when you go about your day-to-day -day life, your day-to-day -day travels to just kind of forget to go through your routines, to have your habits that, that don't necessarily involve top security. <laughs> clearance to get into your devices. So this is like a chance, I think, for everybody listening to just take a step back and, and really kind of take this all in and actually implement some of these things afterwards. So, Well, and, and Jason, just a couple other really quick things too. Now, I mean, you know, people go, I knew that. Well, they don't know it. And that is make sure that your, your, the code that you use to lock your phone is 
something better than one, two, three, four, five, six, or nine, eight, seven, six, that. Um, make sure you don't use something that in any way has a relationship to a date in your life that someone could find on social media. Because um, a lot of people do. They use their birthday, their wife's birthday, the date they got married. And meanwhile, they're posting all of this stuff on social media because people can't help themselves. They post everything on social media. So it's, I, you know, you need to approach social media in the way that that people should be also approaching when they create answers to security questions, which is lie like a superhero. I mean, Clark Kent does not advertise that he's Superman and Bruce Wayne doesn't have a Bruce Wayne name tag on his Batman outfit. But you have to understand that when you use things that people can easily learn about you by going online, uh, that's the same thing as wearing a name tag or doing something in skywriting. So try to use a more interesting, complicated pin code for your phones, as well as, um, you know, be careful when you set up these, these questions and answers. And, and you have to think of this using a, a, a stronger passcode on your phone. Like if someone's trying to break into something, like a burglar will always go to the house where there's no dog. I mean, why have to fight with the dog? Well, the same thing is, if you have a passcode on your phone and it's somewhat sophisticated, it could even represent the first letter of a few different words that the each letter is a number and that's the number. But uh, you have to be clever about that uh, because, you know, again, it's the, it's the easiest way in to, for somebody is using it or zero, 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 zero. I've seen that or six ones. Then you end up on the wall of shame. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Are you recommending also we should put a beware of dog uh, Probably uh, so. sign on yeah. our phones? <laughs> yes, beware of cyber dog. <laughs> beware of cyber dog. Okay, no, those are those are great tips. Just to go back to one thing you said, really adamant on never using the public Wi-Fi, so we should always connect to our local hotspot, but we can use it just for browsing, like if we're going to a new site or something like that. But just remember, as you're browsing, be careful what you click on, because you could click something that's malware that gets on your device. It's not as horrible for phones. It can be, but it's certainly horrible for uh, PCs, laptops, and things like that. Uh, because depending upon the malware that gets onto your device, it can either turn it into a keystroke logger, which means every time that you go on your device and log in somewhere, that information is being transmitted to the hackers, or it could put malware on your device, uh, uh, the ransomware related malware. And then you got a problem. I mean, if that ends up on our phones, oftentimes we wouldn't even know. So are there resources that you go to, to check, to see if any of that is on? You can. And, and there are websites that, that help you decrypt. But ransomware is more of a problem when it comes to laptops and PCs. But uh, also, you could make a mistake and end up with stalkerware on your phone, whether you know someone puts it on there or you go someplace and click on a link and all of a sudden your phone becomes a listening device, a camera for someone else. I just kind of assume it always is that at this point. Not I mean, a bad idea. Right. Not a bad idea. You probably know a few things. A little bit. Yeah. The uh, 
we're living in a, it's not only a surveillance society, depending upon which country you're in, but a surveillance economy. I mean, everything we do is being tracked or listened to and, you know, all in the quest for learning as much about us so that we can get the products and services, arguably, that we're, we're looking for. But the truth is, the more information they have, the more exposed you are. And frankly, an awful lot of companies are getting breached. As a matter of fact, a simple rule of thumb is to assume this. Breaches are the third certainty in life behind death and taxes. Really? Yeah. Billions of files. I mean, that's Dr. Evil, pinky to the lips, B, billions of files uh, containing information about people. Some of it, our most sensitive information, have been exposed over the past few years. So I think it's a, it's important for most people to adopt the stance that, hey, my information's out there. So the question is, what can I do to protect myself if someone attempts to use this information to exploit me? And that's where we come into what uh, I developed in a book that I wrote with my co-author and co-host on What the Hack, Bo Friedlander. And it's called Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And we call it the three M's. And this really applies to pretty much anything you do, whether you're an organization, you're an individual, whether you travel or not travel. And the first is, how do you minimize your risk of exposure or reduce your attackable surface in a world where you have billions, like 35 billion and counting, Internet of Things devices that are tracking us, everything from our toaster to our printer to our computers, everything is, 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 a, is a way in. So how do, you, how do you minimize your risk of exposure? How do you monitor so you effectively know you have a problem as quickly as possible? And how do you manage the damage? How do we do all that? I know you have a whole book about it and you can't cover it all here, but can you give us some of your best sort of oh, tips? Oh, sure. From, yeah. Well, the first time, how do you minimize your risks of exposure? Don't use dumb passwords that you share across your entire universe of websites. Use a password manager. And many of them are multi-platform. So it's not like you have to use it and then go, oh gosh, what the heck did I do now that I'm using another device? It's multi-platform. Use two-factor authentication. And this is based on something you have, who you are, and something that you you do, uh, or something that's you. So for instance, it would be a code that goes to your phone, a code that goes to your trusted device. In some cases, depending upon how sophisticated the device is, it could be a thumbprint, a fingerprint of some kind, or like, you know, you see a lot of the laptops now where it's fingerprint based or even a retinal scan, depending upon if the really super sophisticated ones do it. I know that uh, MasterCard was was testing something out where after you did a transaction on MasterCard, you would have to take a selfie and blink for proof of life. The IRS was going to do the selfie thing, and Congress went bat crazy over it and said, there's no way we're going to allow you to collect facial recognition information on pretty much every American, not going to happen in this country. So that was the end of that. But two-factor authentication is important. But remember that someone could get their hands on your phone, uh, either stealing it or convincing your mobile provider they're you, and then having your, uh, uh, having your number transferred to their device which they will then use as two-factor authentication to 
masquerade as if they're you. Also, you don't click on links or open an attachments. Even if you think you know where they're coming from, you need to independently confirm that's where they're really coming from uh, because you could turn your device into a keystroke logger or put ransomware all over your device by clicking on the wrong link or certain kinds of malware just sits on your device and then starts sucking up information about you to the point where it ends up with everything. So you got to be careful about that. Be careful about downloading apps. It may be new, cool, sharp, and wild, and it's something you always wanted, but it could also be you know, your worst enemy in there. Also with social media, we certainly know when people travel, they love to talk about everything they're doing, where they're going, uh, where they are. And you have to remember that is fodder for a stalker. And, you know, also if people know where you are, de facto, they know where you're not. And there was a website a a few years ago called uh, pleaserobme.com. And it was, it was tracking where people were exposing their travel and saying to people, do you understand the fact that you've now told somebody they can go and rob your house? So, you know, be careful on that. Also, people should freeze their credit. It's free now. And freezing means that no one, including you, can gain access to your credit without thawing that freeze using a special pin that you got uh, with your uh, credit reporting agencies. Uh, You have to go to each one, but freezing is important. That's a way of keeping people from opening new accounts in your name, including getting a mortgage on your house that you didn't realize that you had. Uh, that's how they open accounts because they get access to, uh, to your credit. Or, and and uh, that lenders look at your credit and think that it's you, but it's not you. It's the thief. Then there's the second M, which is monitor. That means get credit reports, look at them for what you didn't do as opposed to what you did do. Track your credit scores. If they take a sudden precipitous drop, it could mean you're a victim of identity theft. Sign up for what's called transaction alerts from your bank or credit card company that notify you anytime there's activity in your accounts. This is particularly important when you travel because things could be popping up through these notifications and you go, well, that's nice that I'm using an ATM around the corner from my house, except I'm in Norway. I'm not in New York. And so that you would immediately notify your institution. Um, believe it or not, when you get an explanation of benefit statement from your health insurer, you can actually see where someone's stolen your identity and getting medical treatment in your name, which means you can then notify the provider. You can get more serious kinds of monitoring programs that have dark web monitoring and instant notifications, which would be something like, uh, instead of saying, uh, Jason, a month ago, somebody opened an account in your name, it'll say, Jason, someone is attempting to open an account in your name right now. Is it you? Yes or no? So that's, that's something. And then the third M, how do you manage the damage? Well, a lot of people don't realize that now through their insurance company, some financial institutions, credit unions, more than banks, and through your employer, there are programs available to help you through identity incidents. In some cases, it's free as a perk of your relationship with the institution. In other cases, it's deeply discounted. But there are just a few questions you need to ask. Do you have a program that'll help me if I have an identity-related problem? Am I in it? If not, what do I need to do to get in it? And by the way, what's it going to cost? 
So those are really the three M's. It's kind of a framework for people to make it a little bit less daunting. It's a great framework. Minimize, monitor, and manage. Tick those off. That's powerful stuff. Thanks for sharing. What can you do if your phone is stolen or lost? You just don't even have it on your person anymore. Well, you know, the good news is like, for instance, if you have an Apple phone, they, they have, you know, find my phone. Now, once it goes off, but at least you can trace to where you thought it was when you last saw it. But can you somehow erase the whole thing virtually or something? I mean, well, you can. You you have the capability also of erasing everything on the phone. There is software that come that Apple has that, frankly, I think Android now has too for their phones. Um, but you do want to have a situation where when you're when it's clear your phone is gone, you want to make sure that everything goes off it. Hopefully, you've used the programs that are available through Apple and Google to save the data on your phone just so that you haven't lost your entire life and that it's up in the cloud. And then when you get your new phone, they can just simply uh, download that data. But uh, um, yes, it's it's important to to be able to do that. They have a new thing now too, that if if my AirPods are not anywhere near my phone, it a little thing comes up on the phone and goes, by the way, the last time your AirPods were anywhere near you, they were at such and such address. Uh, and it could be slightly annoying. It's like, stop doing this. They're on me. But at the same point, it's very important to, to keep track. There's also, you know, air tags, which have been, there's been some controversy with air tags that someone slipped an air tag in someone else's coat or someone else's car or someone else's luggage. I mean, the theory behind the air tag is you can find your luggage or things that you need to locate. The only problem is if someone else gets their hands on it, they can find you. Um, uh, so, you know, with, with, there's always two sides. And, and again, the thing about technology, that which makes us powerful makes us vulnerable. So, uh, you, know, you know, use, it's like they used to say, you know, use this with caution. Well, just remember that these devices, they're, they're in their attempts to help you protect your privacy and to help you have a better idea of where you are and where your stuff is. Uh, if it gets into the wrong hands, it actually... Uh, puts your privacy in harm's way. Hmm. What are the most common scams? Oh, well, in travel, we'll start with that. Um, in travel, common scams are uh, travel clubs. You can save a lot of money. Just, you know, join our travel club. Uh, there's an upfront handling charge and there's a bunch of other stuff. And then by the time you get to where you're going, you're paying more than you would have paid if you went directly to the uh, a well-known third-party travel site or booked with a hotel or a cruise line directly. Um, you also have clone sites where uh, scammers and hackers can make websites look exactly like the website that you think you're going to. Unfortunately, it's not, and it's designed to either get payment information or some other information from you. Um, you have what's called the double booking scam. That's where you're all set and you're traveling someplace. And the day before you leave, you get notified by whatever the booking entity was. Hey, listen, Jason, we have good news and bad news. The good news is we really got your room at a great rate, but the bad news is it got double booked. But the maybe good news is give us a little extra money and we'll pay the person off. Uh, and 
we'll make sure you have your room. So that is not an uncommon scam either. Then there's the excursion scam. That's where uh, now you're at the hotel, you've, you've traveled, and there is this unbelievably cool secret cave. And we can take you there. We have a tour company that'll take you there. Unfortunately, the reason the cave is secret is that it doesn't exist. Or if you go somewhere, you could become secret and you may not exist or you may be held for ransom. So that's why you have to be careful that you only use well-recommended, well-vetted, well-reviewed travel companies, even local companies. Uh, You know, at least you're a little safer if it comes from the concierge at your hotel than if someone, while you were riding in a cab, said, you want to go to a really cool place? Well, we got a cool place for you. So there's that. There are scams that when you uh, are at a hotel in the middle of the night, you get a phone call and it sounds like it's coming from the front desk. And it says, uh, listen, we, we have a problem with your credit card or your debit card. And we may have, when we entered the information in our computer, we may have entered the, a wrong digit. Could you do us a favor and just read us the, the information on your credit card again or your debit card, and by the way, the expiration date, flip it over the back, and that's really a scammer. To something as simple as you get to a hotel, it's late, it's night, it's maybe somewhat remote, and there is a flyer under your door where you can order food in the area. So you call, somebody sounds like it's legitimate, they take down your order, they take down your payment information, and an hour later, you're still hungry, nothing has showed up, and you suddenly realize you were on the menu. So, you know, be careful when you just even fall, you know, go for stuff like that. That's a good one. That one could get me, that food. Yeah. Out. yeah. Oh, actually, you're starving and it's like, I need to eat and there's yeah. no room service anymore. So, yeah. You know, again, what they try to do is come up with things that they expect will feel normal to people. So, you know, you have... All those kind of scams. Also, by the way, when you travel, when you're not using your devices, power them down. Uh, because remember, when you power up something that you powered down, it's going to ask you for your passcode again, right? So it's off. So if someone took it while it was powered down, they'd have to figure out your passcode. Uh, not to mention the fact that there are some mobile-based forms of malware that sit on your phone but they can be disabled simply by turning your phone off and on again. So, um, you know, that's something as well. Also, when you're traveling, use a credit card, not a debit card, because a credit card is their money. A debit card is your money. And even if the bank agrees that you're right, they may take 10, 12 days to conduct an investigation. If you're on a trip, all of a sudden, you can't get access to your bank account. You got a problem. So you need to do that. But you know, the, the, everywhere you turn, there are social media scams, quizzes. There during COVID, there was scam after scam after scam. Whether it was contact tracing, whether it was here's where you get your test, uh, here's where you get your shot. Um, Unemployment compensation scams during COVID. I mean, I my sister-in-law uh, was called by Colorado, where she lives, and Ohio, where she's never been, 
and uh, and they asked her about her application for unemployment compensation. Meanwhile, she was working. Uh, so you had those. Um, you had update any kind of update, travel update, uh, emergency update. Uh, uh, during COVID, it was like you know, click here for the most up to date information on the spread of the disease and where it is, and where are the countries that you shouldn't go or you can't go because of the disease. You know, that's why I always say if you don't want remorse, go to the source. Don't click on the link. Go to a trusted news source uh, where you go directly to their website. Charitable scams during all of these the crises that are going on with the Ukraine. Uh, anytime there's a hurricane or a flood or a tsunami or any hostile action in a country, there are all sorts of ads, banner ads that show up going, you know, help the people of the Ukraine. Well, Go to, go to a site like Charity Navigator, for instance, which does keep track of the legitimate charities or contact the Better Business Bureau or contact the Office of the Attorney General, the Division of Consumer Affairs in the state you live and say, is this a legitimate charity? Oftentimes, they'll have a list of the legitimate charities and they'll also have a complete consumer hotline uh, where they've gotten complaints against certain charities for being fraudulent. And also read reviews, you know, before you download an app, read reviews, before you use a travel agent, read reviews, before you go to any particular hotel, read reviews. When I was head of consumer affairs, uh, somebody was doing a promotional campaign and they said that, uh, you know, if you come to our site and do this, you get a free trip to a resort on the Gulf Coast. Well, people were, wow, this is fun, the Gulf Coast, and all I have to do is order this. Well, when they got there, it was a motel behind an oil drill. <laughs> so didn't turn out to be so great. So every every day there is a there is a new wrapping around a scam. But the scams are all pretty much the same, whether it's an IRS scam, a business email scam, a catfishing scam. I mean, think about all the people that we know who they thought they found their love of their life online, and then somewhere in the first couple of weeks after this person came on to them as if they wanted them to have their child or they wanted to be uh, the person having their child, uh, but everything was drama. They couldn't show up. There was a problem. Uh, one device didn't work. One did. They can only communicate with you by text, and then... All of a sudden, they, they, the ask comes, either compromising photographs, which could lead to extortion and blackmail, or money. Money. Please help me. If you love me, I want to come visit you. Could you send me money for a ticket? We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This 
device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. All of this knowledge you have, all of this experience, all of the crazy scams you've heard about, I'm sure you got a million stories of, of individuals that have been scammed in various ways. I mean, how do you how do you balance your you know faith in humanity with this? Cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like love your fellow human, but you know, Ronald Reagan used to say, trust but verify. Today, the bywords are never trust, always question, always verify. Always. Because even if let let's say you and I bond and I go, I want to send Jason an e-card to thank him. And I found an e-card somewhere that looked pretty cool. And I sent it to you. I in good faith sent this this e-card to you. But unfortunately, I didn't realize that it was a fake e-card and it was really a, a, a device to put malware on a computer. How many times do people in social media just simply forward something cool they saw on social media, not realizing that what they forwarded could be malware laden? So it isn't even that that someone is of bad faith. It is simply that they got duped like whoever the scammer is, is hoping that you get duped. And, you know, be, beware of, of people friending you and beware of, of posting every single thing you do every day, wherever you do it, because it's giving a pathway into your life that could be used to exploit you. When you're just walking around, you're not online, whatever, you're walking around with your phone, you got your laptop, you got maybe your Bluetooth on or something, can people get into your devices then? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Yep. There are ways to do it. There are, you know, if you have RFID uh, on your any any device, there are ways that someone could get close to you and read that RFID, which would then give them sort of insight into you and where you go. I mean, there was a story once where people outside a mall, they were they were just sitting outside a mall. And when people would come out and, and they would try to get very close, they and they would look for people coming out of fancy stores and malls, and they would like follow them to their car. And they would then follow the car. And sometimes they would simply just track the RFID code that was in a piece of clothing because there are a number of stores that use that to track inventory, right? So there was that. Um, 
uh, and you have people that will will cyber stalk you. And you know, we've seen situations where uh, former spouses will track their spouses, and uh, you know, by by putting stalkerware on their device. Uh, so, you know, there are there are there are ways to do it. Plus, the fact that we we have had so many breaches, and you know, so many people will say to me, "I'm just a regular. Who cares about me? I mean, I just you know, I live my life. I don't do anything." The people, what you have to keep in mind is you look in the mirror, you see you. When a hacker looks at you, they see Sharon Stone, The Rock, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Adam Levine. You got what they want. You have data, you have financial information, you have certain things that can be used against you that they can use to extort you, or you are the tributary to a larger river, which means it's not about you, it's about your spouse, your child, your parent, where you work. You know, the easiest way to get into a company is compromise somebody's credentials. So if you know where somebody works, like go on LinkedIn, you'll know where they work. Not only will you know where they work, but a lot of the people that work at the same place post information as well. So there's an entire list of people that work at the same place. So a scammer or a hacker could go on, look at that, figure out ways to to scam you into giving them information uh, and then use your information to communicate with other people in the company that may have senior positions to you or may be in the finance or accounting departments of the company. And all of a sudden, depending upon what your role is and what their role is, they could be asking for money to be wired to a certain account for business purposes. Um, Think about the way that uh, that Target was breached, and that's one of the most iconic breaches. And you're talking about 110 million people in one form or another were breached. They didn't go through the front door of Target. They breached somebody, or they uh, let's say compromised someone working at an HVAC subcontractor who had a business relationship with Target and had access into the Target systems because they were monitoring the chilling systems in Target. And they use that pathway into Target, first into the point of sale system, and then into the databases. And this goes on every single day. And so you, the other things to keep in mind is they're going to come at you at least four ways. Phishing, which is generalized phishing, dear cardholder, dear member, dear uh, Target shopper. Uh, spear phishing, dear Jason. Vishing is when you get a call on the phone, you think it's from the IRS, which they never call you, or you think it's from a financial institution. They do call you sometimes, but uh, and they use that position of authority or position of relationship to try to get information out of you. Like, perfect example, uh, you just came back from a trip, or let's say you're on your trip and you get a phone call from your financial institution except it's not your financial institution. And they say, listen, we think that your, your credit card or your debit card was used in the wrong place, and we think there are fraudulent charges. Now, if they just say to you, we've noticed some suspicious activity on your account, just is it true or not, and that's it, they're probably legitimate. But if they do, and a, a scam is, for instance, is this your credit card number? Why, yes, it is. Is this your uh, expiration date? Yes, it is. Listen, just to prove you're you, 
flip over your card and give us the security code on the back. Well, first of all, if someone calls you, they should already know what they need to know about you and not have to ask you for your security code. First of all, they know they're talking to you. And so that that's that's a dead giveaway. Never authenticate yourself to anyone. And we've seen the scam even go further where they go, yep, you are definitely a victim of fraudulent activity. And this could actually impact your uh, your life, your business, your work, your social security number. So let's help you get either a fraud alert on your credit file or freeze your credit. If you could just give us your social security number, since we're your bank, I mean, you know, we can do this. We'll call up the credit agency. We'll get everything going for you. Well, it wasn't your bank. And now you just gave away your whole life. So that's why be careful when someone contacts you and asks you to authenticate yourself. Never authenticate yourself. Always go directly to the institution, speak to customer service, ask to speak to the security department and say, did someone, by the way, just call me from your institution? Because it's going to be on their computer. Yeah. And, and am I having a problem? Yeah. And, you, you know. You always hang you, up and call your actual and just be like, hey, is this. Absolutely. Always do it. If someone approaches you from a charity, do not. Even if it gets some legitimate charities verklempt, sorry, get the information, independently confirm that's the charity, independently confirm contact information, and then either go onto their website and give your contribution or call whatever the phone bank is for the charity, and then you give online if you prefer. But it's part of never trust, always question, always verify. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the hard things, I think when you're traveling in a certain way and you don't, you don't want to be paranoid about everybody in the world, right? Like you want to have that openness where you can make a connection with a local person or, you know, have an experience. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people listening and, and myself included them have had wonderful experiences with people that I've just met that, that I didn't know and they weren't scamming me at all or anything. So that there, there's no real answer to that question because you really have to kind of feel out the situation for yourself. But you have any advice on on that sort of balance? Well, I think the, the you know the first thing is you have to keep in mind that we all have day jobs, whether we're traveling, working, raising a family, being involved in getting our education, being involved in philanthropic activities. That's what we do. However, when you're up against a scammer or hacker or an identity thief, you are their day job. Right. So that's so crazy to think. So that's the important thing. And, and you know, the second thing, again, is there's no reason why you shouldn't trust people. But remember that the government can't always protect you. In fact, they don't most of the time. Business hasn't really done enough. Some are doing all they can. And despite the enormous amount of money they pay for security, uh, if there's one device that's unprotected, it could bring down an organization, just like you could have everything right as a company and all you need is one person to click on the wrong link. Just one. One HVAC guy. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and just like as consumers, you know, no one is going to stop you from clicking on the link or opening the attachment or using a really dumb password or not enabling two-factor authentication or downloading every app that you that you look at. Um or not freezing your credit, you know, or not getting your credit report or not signing up for transaction alerts. That, that's 
free will. That's up to each and every one of us. So we have to understand that in the end, the ultimate guardian of the consumer has always been, is, and always will be the consumer. That we have a, a responsibility and we are part of now a shared responsibility with business, government, media, and consumers. And that we have to stick up for ourselves because we know things they won't know, hopefully, although they seem to be knowing more and more about us. We know what we do. We know where we've been. We know where we are at any moment. That doesn't mean anyone else does. So therefore, we're in a better position to say, wait, I didn't do that transaction. That wasn't me. Um, so it's really up to us. We didn't ask for it. We're not trained for it. It's not something we want to do. But we really now do have a responsibility. We have to protect ourselves, our children, our families, the companies we work for. This is really an all-in effort, especially in light of the fact that we are being attacked on a daily basis by people who have only one goal in mind. They are not our friends. They want us to be the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it is wild to kind of put yourself in their shoes for a minute and think that you are their day job. When you said that, I really hit home for me. It sounds like, you know, with a lot of this stuff, like anything, maybe there, there might be an upfront time investment, maybe a little bit of a learning curve, but once you sort of implement some of these systems, for example, the, the, uh, what'd you call it? The transaction alerts and things like that, then it, you're kind of, you have the infrastructure to kind of protect yourself to an extent, correct? I mean, you don't want to click on the wrong links. You have to be vigilant, but there is a bit of an infrastructure you can set up for yourself to, to kind of at least do that first step, which is minimize, right? Right. And that's just, just say to yourself, just like a business needs to train its employees on a, on a, on a daily basis, it has to be a constant conversation. You have to talk to your kids. They have to talk to you. I mean, kids are digital natives, yet a lot of them are targets and a lot of them fall for it because they trust. Or, or we have what I like to refer to as Generation I, which stands for Generation Invincible. I go online and, you know, we're all in it together. No, we're not all in it together online. We're not. And, uh, and we have to realize again that, that, that we are valuable to the wrong kind of people. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's well I wanted to ask you about skimming devices because I've heard of that where, you know, you go to an ATM and they have something set up where they can yeah, take all your debit card information or whatever. And in that case, I mean, you have to use your debit card, right? You go to an ATM machine, you're using your debit card to get money. I don't know how common that is, but is there any way to detect something like that or or to check is that a common thing? Well, yeah, it, it like if you're traveling or if you're even in your at home, when you go somewhere, try to rattle the front of the of the ATM machine. If it moves a little bit, uh, it could be an indication that someone has put a skimming device in it. The second thing is when you're entering your pin code, always cover your hand. Because usually when people put skimming devices into an ATM, they have a hidden camera somewhere that's trained on that keyboard. So that's how they get both. Um, that's why it's always best to use an ATM machine that is either 
in the lobby area, and there are lobby areas that are open. They're just outside lobby areas of financial institutions or that are attached to financial institutions. And as much as bodega owners will want to skin me alive for saying this, be really careful when you walk into a bodega or where you use an ATM machine that is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, it could really come back to haunt you. That's why it's so important to have transaction alerts because if suddenly things pop up after you've used a credit or debit card, that's an indication that you've, you've have a problem that someone somehow got that, got the information. And it can even be as simple as you go to a restaurant. Now, you know, when, now when you travel, a lot of restaurants, they bring out that little device where right in front of you, they take your information. But, you know, for many restaurants, it used to be they, they took your payment card and they went in the back and then they came out with a receipt and you don't know whether they also made a copy of your card while they were back there. One time the waitress changed the tip amount on me. Like a month later, I got my credit card statement. I think I left her like a $13 tip and I saw there was a $33 tip and I realized what she turned the one into a three. And then I called call the restaurant and I said, hey, I know this isn't right. He didn't, the manager didn't, please, no way that didn't happen. It didn't happen. I said, I'm telling you it did. I have the receipt right here and uh, you can look it up. And, and I was right. So that, that girl had to get fired, unfortunately, but. No, and it's also important. When she was going to do that also, to other people. So I needed to make a call, you know? Yeah. And, and when you travel also, look at the receipt, see what they're charging you. Because, you know, a lot of people go, just give me my receipt. Here's my credit card or debit card. I'm out of here. You know, take a minute to look at it because it's very easy for someone to slip on a few extra uh, things on your uh, on your bill. Did we miss anything major here? No, I don't think so. No, I think I think this is pretty much. I mean, there's we could talk for hours about all the different kinds of scams, but again, it's all about being alert. And understanding that, that again, not everybody's your friend. And, uh, you know, people will do things for a variety of reasons. They could be blackmailed. They could be just being extorted. They could need to do this to raise money. I mean, you know, when people talk about state-sponsored hacking and, you know, state-sponsored hackers, they're, they're either in it for chaos or whatever. Uh, you have to understand that, like, in certain countries – uh, there is a line item in their budget for the ransomware money that's being collected by the hackers they sponsor. Just part of the part of the annual budget. That's it. Right. And and you know people will say, well, you know they got me, but we can get them, right? And the answer is, law enforcement is getting better and more aggressive, but at the same time, a lot of these guys are operating outside the United States, outside the jurisdiction of even U.S. friendly countries. And under the protection in certain countries of the government. So with a lot of these scams, once it's gone, it's gone, which means you don't wire people money to people you think you know. You confirm. How many times have you gotten, because I've gotten and people I know get a lot, it was called the 419 scam, which is, Jason, listen, I'm traveling, buddy. I Somebody stole my, my wallet uh, or they stole my backpack and I, I have no money. Is there any way you could do me a solid and, and wire me some money? Uh, it's a scam in most cases. I mean, 
the, the way to confirm it is pick up a phone, call them and say, are you traveling? Are you in trouble? Do you need help? You, you still may not want to help, but the fact is at least you'll know that it's real. Um, and they do it with a grandparent scam and everything else. But travel is, is, is usually one of the things where the scammers, that's what they, they pray, play on. And, and they will appeal to family members or very close friends. And that information they get off social media um, that I'm in trouble. I need your help. Yeah. You probably have some wild scam stories, don't you? <laughs> oh, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's one that just sticks with you? Well, we had a, a, you know, on What the Hack, we have a lot of great stories. We One story in particular was a guy who um, was a reporter and uh, he would travel to Afghanistan and uh, Iran and, you know, as part of his uh, reporting, Iraq. And he was always getting hacked for something. And then one day he fell for a extortion scam. Somebody had gotten his information. And and uh, in his case, it was just part of a, they just threw it out there and see how many people they got. But it, you would get something and it would, it would actually have on it a your uh, email address and an old password that you used to use. And they would say to you, um, we know what you do, and we know that you like to visit pornographic websites. And unlucky for you, we actually had malware on one of those pornographic websites, and we have a video of you watching a pornographic video, as well as having a good time while you were watching the pornographic video. Now, we are happy to make this all go away if you'd like to send us 14000 in Bitcoin. Um, if not, if you don't believe us, well, we'll just send five copies of this video to your family and they can confirm whether or not it's real. Um, or, uh, you know, we're just going to go away and we're going to send it to every contact in your email. Because when we got onto your computer, we got into your email and we have all of it. And they really have it and they could really do that? Well, the thing is, maybe in a couple of cases they have it, but the overwhelming majority of times they do not have it. It's all a play to scare you half to death. And, uh, and they do it very successfully. People fall for it. I, I once, when I was traveling in Europe to, to give a speech at a conference, I went into my uh, in spam folder and 35 of those email were there. No less than 35. <laughs> no less than 35. No, they just kept sending it out. And then I was doing a show on a radio station in Oregon and the station manager walked in and said, she said, I got a few of those too. So, I mean, it was like, you know, equal opportunity sextortion scams. Yeah. I mean, there must be somebody out there like uh, Adam, he thinks he's so, so I'm going to get that Adam one day. No, let's hope not. Let's hope there's not. <laughs> yeah. No, there are always, I mean, there's always, somebody's got our number as it were one way or another. And the fact is that it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. So the question is how well do you gird your defenses and, you know, practicing the three M's at least gives you a better shot at being better protected. Yeah. Well, I, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Go ahead and share you know, where people can find you and, and the podcast and anything you'd like here? Well, if you go to adamlevin.com, which is our kind of uh, website 
content web related website for these all of these scams um or also come to what the hack with adam levin it's available wherever you get your podcast apple spotify you name it it's it's up there and uh you know every week we have a new story we we have created a no shame zone for people to come on and the whole point is that scaring is caring but also sharing is caring and it's important to share your story because a lot of people, you know, will say, wow, that's, that's an interesting object lesson. It's terrible. It happened to this particular individual, but uh, it's great because now I, I can, there are certain things I know I can look for. So it's kind of like car talk for cyber plus guests uh, that uh, some of them are celebrities. Uh, some of them are friends. Some of them are, uh, people who have contacted us, like somebody contacted us by way of Reddit and then came on and told their story. But it's an interesting story. Every week it's a different story. And it, it, we all can learn a lot from what's happened to our our fellow humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. And uh, you gave us a ton of great stuff here today. I love how you've been able to distill a lot of this down into these very memorable chunks too, like the minimize, monitor, manage, the, uh, what did you say? When you don't want remorse, then go, go to, to the, the source. source. These, these things are very memorable. So um, a lot to walk away from this. And I'm definitely motivated to kind of take some of that upfront investment time for myself to minimize. So uh, Adam, thanks so much and hope we can stay in touch. Appreciate your time today. No, I'd love it. And, and I really appreciate the invitation. Take care. Bye. There you have it. Once again, I want to thank Adam for stopping by the show. Incredible guy. Wealth of knowledge. He's been doing this stuff forever. So I hope that you enjoyed those takeaways and the conversation. You know, never a fun topic in some sense to talk about this idea of you know getting scammed or getting your identity stolen or whatever but this is the reality of the world we live in and we need to protect ourselves and his 3m system uh that was my big takeaway there i thought that was so impactful and just easy to remember minimize monitor and manage i love that and we got all those tips there for you so uh, what actions are you going to take coming out of this show I'm working on the minimize portion of this, and that's a great place to start. But if you want to get started, I'll issue that challenge to you today to maybe clean up a little hole you have in your own personal network and something that you feel may expose you a bit. Yeah, just do one thing. Just do one thing coming out of this show, and that can be a, a nice little challenge for the community. I'm going to leave you with a quote in a second. First, as promised, let me share my scam story. The time I got scammed in Thailand and actually had a good day. Now, here I was in Thailand. It was the early 2000s with my buddy Jim. had <laughs> no idea about some of the scams that are run in Southeast Asia. And we fell for one of them. It was the tuk-tuk, the cheap tuk-tuk scam where they charge you next to nothing to take you on a little, quote, city tour, which they do. But part of that tour is they take you to a couple shops along the way, like a jeweler and a tailor, and they try to use these high-pressure sales tactics to get you to buy things. 
we didn't buy anything and it was kind of laughable. And once we realized, actually, it was my buddy Jim that kind of sussed it out. He's like, I think this is sort of a scam thing that's going on right now. And I was like, really? Because I'm just, I don't know, I'm just on this ride having a good time. Whatever. We stopped at a couple shops. No big deal. (laughs) But it seemed to become apparent when we came out of the jewelry shop and somebody happened to wander around the corner. I'm using air quotes. A uh, An American, he's like, oh, I just bought this uh, jade necklace or whatever, This all these jade necklaces, and I, I resold them in America for so much money and I'm just like making a killing and, you know, trying to get us to go back in and buy a bunch of stuff. And my buddy Jim's like, isn't it a little weird that guy just walked around the corner and ran into us as we left this shop. So there was uh, multiple levels to this scam. I think the problem was our driver was just super nice. I think he felt kind of bad for us (laughs) and we didn't really care. Once we realized we were out, we're like, well, we're not buying anything. We're not going to be, uh, pressured into buying anything and we don't care that you're pressuring us so we're just relaxed and we're just going to enjoy being along for the ride on the scam which we did <laughs> and it was a story to tell later and kind of a fun experience when all was said and done pretty harmless we were never in any danger or anything like that but if you go out into the world you're going to get scammed things are going to happen and that's just the way it goes so coming back to the to the episode here Just be vigilant, stay on top of your stuff, do the best you can, and when things happen, I guess uh, just just roll with it. (laughs) Roll with it in the tuk-tuk, I don't know. All right, let me leave you with a quote from James Altucher, who uh, wrote a great book, by the way, called, uh, I read it a while back, it's called uh, Choose Yourself, and I'm not sure if this quote is from that book, but he said, quote, the American dream never really existed. It was a marketing scam. End quote. So there you go. Another way to look at scams. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you, your presence here, you being a part of this community. Um, get in touch anytime and give me some feedback on the show. Recommend some guests, whatever. It's all good. Just say hi. Love to hear from you. I'll let you go now. Have a wonderful day. See you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 